Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. How y'all doing? Okay, open your Bibles to Colossians. Let me explain something here. I'm stalling uh, because I don't want to teach this passage today. We had some snow days, if you guys remember those, and we weren't able to teach a few parts of Colossians. Uh, we want to circle back and get those, and for whatever reason, God in his sovereignty has us here on the Sunday after Easter. Um, I don't want to teach this, but I will obey, so I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into this. And it's Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. God, um, may your spirit move in this place. You, you know where my heart is in this moment. Uh, help me. Help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you were here last week for Easter, I was pretty fired up, like running back and forth across the stage. I mean, it was Easter for crying out loud, right? It's like our Super Bowl. And I was very preachy, and that's okay. I'm not going to do that this week. I'd rather just kind of be teachy. I'm going to sit down for this, uh, and I'm doing this on purpose. And, and I just want you to know, um, here's what I would like to accomplish today. I'd, I'd just like to do some God-honoring shepherding of Hill City people this morning. If you're visiting, listen, we're pumped that you're here. I'm glad you're here. I think you're in the right spot. God has you here this morning. Uh, but what I'm going to ask from you is some grace as I just address this m mostly with Hill City people. I would also say this. You heard the passage. Uh, you know, I think we're, this is going to be pretty safe for middle schoolers and high schoolers. If, I had, if my 10-year-old and 8-year-old sons were here, I would let them sit through this. But I do want to let some of you know if there are young kids in here and maybe you're like, I'm not ready for this talk like on the way home today after church. Uh, that's just This is kind of your warning. Uh, I have to teach the passage. We're going to talk about this, okay? Um, so, so here's what I want to do. I'm actually going to work backwards. Why? Because I want to. Because I'm up here and you're not, and that's how I want to do it. Um, so I'm going to work backwards. Um, so let me read it again, and, and, and then we'll go. And then there's, there's going to, then I'm, then there's going to time, I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to not work backwards anymore because I don't feel like it. And you guys will just hopefully stay with me. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So let me start with this. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. We're going to talk about this list right here today. And Hill City Church, you need to understand something this morning. There is no place for self-righteousness here among the people of God. In his kingdom, 
So all these things, make no mistake about it, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, um, that is exactly what our hearts were made of before we were so graciously transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. This was us, but for the grace of God. So I just want to come out of the gate and say that. Now let's review a little bit because we have been in Colossians. If you haven't been with this, it talked about the kingdom of darkness versus this kingdom of his beloved son or the kingdom of light. And we talked about we were transferred. For following Jesus, he transferred us from one kingdom to another. Right? Another phrase that we read throughout Colossians is, is this idea of a, of a now, now your versions probably say new self, old self, but more properly, uh, more properly, um, Explained would be, you, you were in an old humanity. You and I, we were part of an old humanity. And we are now part of a new humanity. Peter says as much. In First Peter, it talks about us being called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Colossians chapter 1, I touched on this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, that is our reality. That is true of us. Now, let me start with some questions before we continue to work backwards. And I'm going to need you to participate here. So we're going to ask a question by show of hands. You tell me if this is where you are. So who in the room would say that, that, that God's understanding and implementation of love is significantly more advanced than ours? Raise your hand if you think that's true. Yeah, so let the record show every hand in the house is up unless someone's asleep. Good, that's good. Okay, let's keep going. This is fun. We're going to do a couple more of these. Who would say that God's understanding and implementation of mercy is significantly more advanced than ours? Just real quick. Balcony, you got, listen, I see you all. Good. Okay, one, one more for, you know, for kicks and giggles. Here we go. Who would say... That God's understanding and implementation of grace is significantly more advanced than ours. Good, good. You guys are doing great. Okay. So listen, we could do this all day. But let me say this. If that is what we conclude, and we should conclude this, then we must conclude the same thing about his justice. Significantly more advanced than our understanding and implementation of justice. Which takes us then, as we continue to move backwards through the passage, to the next sentence. The wrath of God is coming. So, so let me start with this. Hill City Church, Hill City Church people. If you're pumped up about this, you're like, finally... The wrath, we're going to preach on the, if you're excited about this, if you really are like, you're weird, and I love you, and I want to say that kindly, that's weird. And I mean it wholeheartedly. That's not normal. No one in their right mind who understands Jesus gets fired up and excited about the wrath of God. And if that's you here this morning, I'm going to ask that you pray and that you repent and you ask God to reveal what's really in your heart. We should not be excited about this topic. We shouldn't get excited when it's taught. We should be moved to tears. The wrath of God is coming. 
Now, this can be hard to reconcile, right? The wrath of God and the love of God. If you are last week, we talked so much about God being gentle and lowly, and, and he says this of himself. He's patient. He's abounding in steadfast love. He's merciful, and all those are true, but we have to understand that God is holy. Just as he is all those things, he is holy. He is pure, and he is perfect, and mutiny against him will not fly. Cannot let it fly. God hates sin. And he hates sin because he loves people. And sin destroys people. Always and eventually, sin destroys people. If you think, well, I've been, I've done pretty good with it up to this point. God will not be mocked. Always, eventually, sin will destroy people. And God has actually declared war on sin, which then brings us to this idea of God's wrath and actually his justice is always in perfect proportion to the offense. And we see this term, the wrath of God is coming. This is quite literally talking about a future wrath. This is a legal term. But reading this exactly how, how Paul would have written and how, how this would have been understood to his audience, he, he is writing this with, with absolute certainty. This isn't, I think, that God's wrath is coming. I think something's not going to go well in the end. This is as sure as I'm sitting here and as sure as the sun came up today, the wrath of God is coming. Some versions say, actually, the wrath of God comes. It's as good as here. That's how certain you can be of this. Now listen, I think this is actually written as an encouragement to the believers in the church of Colossae. Why? Because remember, they were transferred from this kingdom of darkness to this kingdom of the beloved son, just like you and I. But here is our reality, if we're honest. Sometimes we look back at this kingdom of darkness and we miss it. Can, can we be that honest this morning to, to say there are times we're like, man, that really looks good to me right now. This would have been happening here. And Paul is encouraging these believers and he's saying, listen, keep going. Keep going to Jesus. I know the draw of the whole old humanity is real, but listen, the wrath of God, sure as I'm sitting here, is coming because of that stuff. Don't go back to it. The wrath of God is coming. And here's the deal. Now, Hill City people, just we're still participating here. Raise your hand if you've heard us talk about the gospel. Okay, good. I would like a few more hands to have gone up. Maybe we need to improve on that. The gospel literally means the good news. And you need to hear this this morning. The good news only makes sense and is good news in light of the bad news. Does, are you, does that make sense? The good news of Jesus is, is absolutely good news indeed, but there is some bad news, and the bad news is this, that the wrath of God is coming. And hear me, this is something we can't even imagine. But the good news is this, that Jesus actually absorbed this one day on a cross. And it, Anytime you see God's wrath, God's judgment, there's always a remnant. You can always see his love. I think we can look at this in the Old Testament. You can see it in the New Testament, right? Let's go to the Old Testament. 
right? You guys know there was a flood on the earth, right? You believe this. Not, this isn't metaphor. Like there was a flood on the earth. No, we know, no, we're still participating here. Noah, okay, good. We're still, you're still with me. Participation's good. It's like everything dies. Like can you imagine this? Floating animals and bodies and like the Lord cleanses and, and he would have actually been okay to kill everybody. But even in his wrath, we see his love because Noah and his family are protected. Amen, right? Are you with me? Okay. Um, so so let, let's go to the Red Sea. Moses, right? Another Hall of Famer. We good? Talked about him last week, right? There's this Red Sea. Now I'm going to work this one backwards, right? You know, a lot of people drowned that day in the Red Sea. So he parts it, right? But, but, but when the bad guys, when the evil, right, when the, when the sinful, when they were in there, the Lord collapsed on them. And listen, a bunch of people drowned. They were not spared. But the children of Israel were. That's the love of God. A bunch of people drowning, wrath of God. Children of Israel delivered, love of God. And if you really want to see, I think the first place we should always go to see the wrath of God is to go to the cross of Jesus. If you want to see the wrath of God, go to the cross of Jesus. Jesus was crushed. If you want to see the love of God, go to the cross of Jesus. You and I don't have to be crushed. The wrath of God is indeed coming. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do my very, I need to, I'm trying my best. I'm going to do this with as much humility as I can. Okay, I'm not, and I would ask, anyway, give me grace, but also even, even if you're having these conversations later, if your Hill City is your church home, please do this with humility. In other words, don't be a jerk. The world, listen, the world does not believe that the wrath of God is coming. Do you understand this? I'm going to tell you something even a little bit more disturbing. I don't think a bunch of God's kids, some of which are in this room, believe that the wrath of God is coming. But for sure the world doesn't believe the wrath of God is coming. And they live in such a way it's as if they're just giving God the middle finger. Romans 1 talks about this. We're not going to go there. You can read it for yourself. But here's what we know. God is gracious. And people are out there and they curse him. They curse what he stands for. They curse his word. They don't believe in him. And the very breath with which they curse him is the breath God gives them. Because he is gracious and he's abounding in steadfast love. And every day that they wake up, and maybe that's why you're here this morning. Maybe you're not following Jesus and you're here and God has you here to hear this. Every day that you wake up and you take a breath is just another chance that God gives you in his graciousness to turn from your sin. And here is the reality. People who have not turned from their sin, people who still live in such a way that they're just giving God the middle finger, he gives them breath, and here's what will happen. Either one day they will turn from their sin, or one day they will run out of chances. This should cause us to weep, people of God. This should not excite us.
Which takes me to another topic related to God's wrath. And that's the topic of hell. It's not a topic, it's actually a place. And it's a real place. And I can't think of anything more unloving. And I mean this wholeheartedly. I can't think of anything more unloving to do as a pastor or as a shepherd than to warn you this morning if you are a person who believes that hell doesn't exist. I need to warn you in love. I love you. That is incorrect thinking. Hell is real and it's ugly and it is forever. And I will tell you, I don't understand it. I'll never pretend to understand it. I don't think I will ever understand it this side of heaven, maybe ever. But it's real and it's a place. And Jesus actually talked about it a lot. And you can come at me with any kind of arguments or, or right where you're like, well, yeah, but who did he talk to about it? That doesn't matter in this argument. I'm talking about it's a real place that he talked about. We can talk about who he talked with about it later. But for this discussion, I am telling you, he talked about it a lot. It was a real place. And people go there. Now hear me, if you know Jesus, listen, if Jesus is your king, I'm not telling you, if you, yes, you're going to have sin struggles. I'm saying if you, you believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the son of God, the good news is this, right now, like this is as bad as it's ever going to get for us. And most of us actually have it pretty good. Amen. But if we're following Jesus, this is as bad as it gets. Okay, now listen, the truth is this also. If you're not following Jesus, like if you don't believe in him, if you don't believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, if if you have not passed from death to life, this is as good as it's ever going to get. And for those of us who are following Jesus, This is as bad as it's ever going to get, and it's actually going to get way, way better for us. And for those of you who are not following Jesus, this is as good as it's going to get. And if you don't turn and you don't follow Jesus, it's going to get way, way worse. And I have zero amount of joy in saying that to you this morning. But what kind of coward would I be to not tell you the truth of Scripture, that what, what I just said is real? I don't understand it. You don't understand it. I don't think we can fully. I could go to a bunch of places in Scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to one passage in particular, okay? Um, this isn't necessarily, this isn't a sermon on hell. I'm just trying to teach the passage from Colossians. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says this. Let me just, I'll just read it. Since indeed... Listen, I'm just going to pray the Holy Spirit does with his word what he wants to do in this moment. Pray that, pray that with me. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, verse 7, and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. 
they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Hell is real, hell is ugly, and hell is forever, and there's no such thing as repentance in hell. And I hate talking about it. It would be way easier to not talk about. Some of you are actually, some of you might even be angry that I'm talking about this. And I just want to talk to you for a minute. Just put yourself in this situation, right? You go to the doctor. And a doctor sits you down after he does all what he needs to do. And he says something like this. Listen, you need... Here's the reality. We have a problem here. And you need to do A, B, and C. And if you don't, you're going to die. These are real conversations that doctors have with people. You understand this, right? Now listen, in that moment, if you've not experienced it, it's likely that you're not going to be angry at the doctor. You're not going to flip tables and throw stuff and tell the doctor what an idiot that he is, hopefully. Those of us who have reasonable minds, and we're going to reasonably react with this, Doctor, wait a minute. What was A, B, and C that you told me again? Right? Is that that fairly accurate? Then why would we react to Scripture? Why would we react to God? Why would we react to the truth of God's word that he says, listen, Jesus is the only way. And if you do not follow him, There's going to come a day when you're not going to have a chance again. The best reaction for you is not to be like, that's unloving, that's stupid, that's whatever it might be. Listen, it's actually very loving. And you might start asking the people of God or God himself, what is it? What is it that, what, okay, what must I do to be saved? The wrath of God of God is coming. Now let's keep working backwards. It says this before, it says that on account of these things. What things is Paul talking about? Well, quite literally, there's this list, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, is this list an exhaustive list of, of, of why the wrath of God is coming? The answer is no. But what I want to do today is I just want to give you the list. I want to give you all the lists, the exhaustive list on why the wrath of God is coming. It's on account of these things that the wrath of God is coming. Are you ready? Get your pens out. They're going to be smoking. You ready? Sin. That's the list. Now this list in particular, they, they were quite literally just cultural symptoms of sin, of humanity's problem, of old humanity's problem. These things in this look, they actually characterize this, this corporate group of people, the old humanity. And he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So, so if you'll remember, when we started this uh, journey through Colossians that Daniel taught about when we interpret Scripture, one of the things we need to do is we need to go to their town, right? Let's figure out what was actually going on in their town, what Paul was addressing, what the writer was addressing, right? And then let's understand what it meant there. And then we have to cross this sort of river of language and interpretation and culture to try to get and figure out, okay, what is, now how does this affect our town? Okay, if you weren't here for that, you can go back and listen to that on our podcast, but... 
what I want to do now is we, we have to go back to their town in this moment. And specifically, we have to go there uh, in, in the arena of morality and even more specifically of, of sexuality and sexual morality. There was no such thing as sexual morality in the ancient world. Listen, I studied this and I had to stop because the things that I read about sexuality in the ancient world, I, was, I just said, Lord, I got to stop. This is not good for my mind. It's not good for my heart. I get it. <laughs> I get it. And I need to share a few of those with you. Okay, now, now outside of Judaism, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about Gentiles, pagans, the things outside of people who followed Yahweh, Greco-Roman world at every corporate setting whether it would have been a dinner party, whether it was at some temple worship, there was going to be public sexual activity. It may have happened at the beginning. It may have happened in the middle. It may have happened at the end. It may have happened at all three. This was part of their culture. It was just expected. Furthermore, one of the hot topics in our town today, in our time, is the idea of sex trafficking, human trafficking, specifically child sex trafficking. Yes, it's horrific. We should, as the people of God, fight against it. But in the ancient world, this isn't even something that would have violated their conscience. You have to understand, specifically for men who were in positions of authority, they could have taken any woman, any other man they had authority over, any other child, boy or girl, didn't matter what age, and they could have done whatever they wanted to them, and it didn't even violate their conscience. This is what we're talking about in their town. Josephus writes about this was so normalized that men were just kind of expected to do this until they got around the age of 30. And then it's like, you know, you probably ought to start thinking about like having a family. But before that, it's like just do whatever you want to whoever you have authority over. But reasonably, okay, when you're 30, let's call it quits and let's have a family. That, this was normalized. This is their town. When Paul writes this, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, this is what he's dealing with. This was the old humanity that these followers of Jesus, these Gentile believers, would have been delivered from. Sexual, sexuality and sex in the ancient world was insane. But we do have to be honest and we have to ask the question, do, do these vices, does sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, does, do these characterize our town? And just so you know, when I say covetousness, I mean, all, all these terms, all five of these are actually sexual in nature. So when I say covetousness, I'm not talking about people that are wanting a new car. When Paul's talking about this, he's talking about this uncontrolled desire for like more sexual experiences that you, that you weren't able to, that you've never experienced. I want to experience this thing I've never experienced. I covet it. But we have to be honest. We have to admit the culture, our culture in our town, United States, we are driven our culture is driven by trying to get you and I and everybody in our culture to covet what people have or what they get to experience. 
Which takes me to the struggling Christian in the room. Because here's the reality. People who are following Jesus actually still struggle with sexual morality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness. And what I don't want to do is start pitting purity people versus impurity people. And I don't want to preach some purity gospel versus impurity. And then people start thinking, well, I'm pure and, and we're not pure. Let's go back to what I said from the beginning. All of us are impure. Can we start there? All of us are impure. But go back to the first part of chapter 3. Those of you who have been with us through this series where Paul says, set your minds on things that are above. Participation. Anybody remember that? Okay, you remember that. Set your minds on things that are above, which now takes me to this. Let's, let's just briefly touch on sex and sexuality and sexual activity and how it relates to the mind. We could do a whole series on this. We're not going to. I just want to read this to you, okay? We've already talked about what they've discovered about the brain in the last 20 years is, is, is a blessing from the Lord, right? Well, what they've discovered about the brain and sexual activity is included in that. And actually it should point us to that we have a phenomenal, incredible creator who designed us in an awesome way. Let me read this. The brain is wired to respond to sexual stimulation with surges of dopamine. This neurotransmitter most often associated with reward anticipation. It also acts to program memories and information into the brain. This adaption means... That when the body requires something like food or like sex, the brain remembers where to return to experience the same pleasure. Now think about this in God's good design, right? Where, where it's supposed to be one man and it's supposed to be one woman. And this man sees this one woman in all of her beauty and it's seared on his mind and he enjoys sexual pleasure from it. And God designed it so that his brain tells him where to go to return to experience the same thing. And what does he do? He goes back to this one woman or she goes back to this one man. Are you with me? That's a beautiful design, is it not? God's design is awesome. Here's the reality though. Satan hates your guts and he knows that that's a beautiful design, and he wants to jack it up. So here's a couple ways that he's done it. And I'm talking to struggling Christians right now because we bring our old humanity with us. We bring some of our old humanity thinking, better, better, better to say, with us. So, so in the area of, say, maybe it's pornography, right? Maybe it's multiple partners. Maybe it's both. But because our minds were formed in the old humanity, what happens? Maybe it's pornography and it's like, wait a minute, this dopamine tells my brain to remember where I got that experience. So then I return to the pornography. Or maybe it's that you had multiple sexual partners and it's like, no, 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 listen, my brain tells me I just need a woman. Not one woman. I've had multiple women. I just need a woman. My brain tells me return to just a woman to get the same pleasure. And this is seared on our minds. And we have these neural pathways that are just, boom. They're just so deep. They're cut into our brain. And here's what I know. The vast majority, if not especially struggling Christians, but even a lot of non-Christians, they hate 
what they go back to. And the good news of Jesus is this, your mind that I just told, it can actually be renewed because we have a great creator. If this is you and you're stuck in this, you don't have to be stuck in it forever. Our minds can be renewed. The question is this, because I know if you're here, if you're here in this place, you, I know you hate it. I know you hate this thing about yourself. There's a lot of shame involved in it, but, but, but I just want to ask you this. Because Paul says this, we have to put this to death. And that's a great phrase, and it sounds neat, and it's very preachy, right? And, it's, and it, I mean, it's the word of God. I get it. But, but let's be honest. How? How do we put this to death? Now, later on in this chapter, it talks about knowledge and renewing knowledge. But then I think that goes along the same way as re- renewing uh, our minds, but how, but how do we do that? I, and I just want to give you something practical because we have to start asking the right questions. Like how? How does change take place? What does it look like to put to death? Here, here's, one, here's one that we have to start asking. Those of us who struggle with some of this still, and we're trying to follow Jesus, why? Why is this an issue? And what I would say this is, are you curious enough? And I don't even think that's the right way to ask it. The right way maybe to ask it is, are you courageous enough to actually look at your own story and learn why it is that you go back to these things? Why it is that your mind goes to these places? And I'm not saying that like out of, out of shame. Listen, and, and what I'm literally talking about is like, okay, number one example would be like family origin, past wounds. Okay, the secular world has studied this. And they have concluded that this unwanted sexual activity, this thing that we keep going back to that brings us so much shame, usually is traced back. Yes, it's sin, but it's traced back even to family origin and past wounds. But it's not just secular studies. This is from the Bible also. Because all truth is God's truth. I'm going to give you an example in the Bible why I believe this proves that it's true. How many of you know David? We're still participating here. David. Yep, another, another Hall of Famer, right? Okay, Samuel comes, right? Samuel comes out. To David's dad, he's like, I need to see all your sons. i got to anoint one of these guys king. And Samuel line, or, uh, uh, David's dad, Jesse, lines up all his kids. And Samuel's like, nope, 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 nope. Gets all the way through, through uh, all David's brothers, and he asks one of the dumbest questions ever, right? He says, do you have any more sons? Like this most influential guy in the, in the community comes and wants to see sons, but David's dad didn't even put David in the lineup. You know this, right? Raise your hand. Is this familiar to some of you? Right? Didn't even put him in the lineup. And then Sam was like, hey, you got another son. And here's what David's dad said. I have a worthless one. Excuse me? I have a worth. His father told the most influential guy in the community that his son was worthless. If you think that that's the first time David heard that from his father, you're unreasonable. That's, that would have been the pattern of David's life. Furthermore, let's go, let's go uh, the big giant, right? David kills a big giant. You guys know that story? Okay, Goliath, yeah. David shows up on the scene. He gets no respect from anybody. All, he's supposed to just bring, bring the tough guys the sandwiches. You're nothing. Just give us our sandwiches, get lost, right? That, he had no respect from anyone. This was his life. Now we can fast forward to the sexual activity with Bathsheba and where he wrecked his life. But I believe it can be traced back to his story when he was a young boy. And I believe that's the same for you. Do you have the courage? 
struggling Christian, do you have the courage to dive into your story? Now, let me talk to the struggling non-Christian. Maybe you're here, you're not following Jesus. You're like, man, I really, I kind of want the same thing you're talking about. Yes, everything I just said to you as well, except for of first importance, Jesus. Jesus is your only hope. And I want you to have a, I want any of you who are not following Jesus in this place, I want you to have a better marriage if you're married. If you're not, I want you to be rid of the shame of any sexual sin of your life. Okay, I, I want that for you. But, but first and of first importance, I want you to pass from death to life. I want you to follow Jesus. He's your only hope. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Which is idolatry. We have to talk about idolatry. What is idolatry? quite simply, maybe oversimplified, is that it's when God is not first place or of most importance in your life. And a lot of us here, like we believe in God. How do I know if God is first place in your life? It's not if you believe in him. It's actually, do you do what he says? Do you do what God says? Idolatry is when something other than God and, 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 and even uh, the blood of Jesus and that, that we are his, when something other than that determines our identity. Now see, in the, in the Greco-Roman world, what was going on is they were worshiping created things rather than the creator. Paul's letters talk about this. And while we may not have these like sex goddesses, we may not have like wooden carved out images, we may not be doing that stuff, we still are worshiping things other than God. We are getting our identity primarily from things that are not from Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to throw some out there to you because I have to bring it to our town. These are undeniable. This is real. We get our identity in our sexuality and the gender that we want to just choose for ourselves. Our identity is in the freedom to live like we want. And the reality is it's actually become the new religion of our culture. How do I know this? Because people evangelize what they believe in. I don't know what's going on here. People evangelize what they believe in. Restaurants, fun places to go, right? We've all done this. Sports teams, yes? Hopefully we're, hopefully we're preaching Jesus, right? But here's what, here are some things that the religion of the world, the religion of the kingdom of darkness, this is what they evangelize. Sexuality. Abortion. Make it go on. Romans 12.1 says this, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Quite simply, we, we, can, say, we can see man, what we do physically with our bodies is actually acts of spiritual worship. So let's get really practical here and talk about idolatry and what it might look like in our culture. So, so think with me, kingdom over here. Kingdom 
of darkness in this kingdom that we were transferred out of. It is actually quite normal and it's quite celebrated that an unmarried man and woman live together and they actually sleep together and they do life together and you try before you buy or whatever phrase you want to put in. That's actually normalized, celebrated. That's called wisdom. And God looks on that in his kingdom. He looks down and he sees that and he says, that's idolatry. In the kingdom that we were transferred out of, people are actually just objects for sexual pleasure, for gratification. They're to be used and even sometimes abused. But in God's kingdom, it's idolatry because people are created in the image of God and they have souls and they're much, much more than objects for gratification. In the kingdom that we were transferred out of, abortion is celebrated It's championed. And in God's kingdom, it's idolatry. In the kingdom that we were transferred out of, it is celebrated. An intimate sexual love with whomever you want is actually normalized. And God looks on it and it's idolatry. And listen, this, this is not about if you can or cannot modify your behavior. That's not what this is about. This is about has your heart been changed by the king of the universe or has it not been changed by the king of the universe? Is Jesus your Lord is basically what we have to ask. And this goes back, this is a corporate verse, by the way. And you need to know this, Hill City Church, there's no immediate glory here for us who believe this. There's no immediate glory. And I want to tell you this, your job, listen, Hill City, if Hill City Church is your home, I'm talking to you directly, your job is to tell people that Jesus is the only hope for the world. Your job isn't to go out and get in arguments about sex and sexuality. That being said, it will eventually come up. It always eventually comes up. And in that moment, you have to to decide, will I obey God or will I please men? You have to decide this. It's coming. And I just want to give you hope. Allow me to shepherd you well. This Hill City people, you're following Jesus. This is going to end well for us. This is going to end well for us. See, there's a word I didn't, I, there's a word I didn't talk about, but if you we're working back, backwards, it says, put to death, therefore. You guys see that? In verse 5, put to death, therefore. Well, when you see that, you got to go to some verses previous to that. So let's do that. Verse 3 says this, followers of Jesus, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This isn't written to like an individual. This is corporately. For those of us who believe in Jesus, we follow God. If this was written like, like say Paul was a Texan or a Southwest Missourian, it would, it would read maybe like this. When Christ, who is y'all's life, appears then you all also will appear with him in glory. That day's coming. The glory's coming. 
And you don't get glory in a land that isn't, that's not your home. There's coming a day when you and I who follow Jesus, we're not gonna have to deal with this anymore. Say, deal with what, Brad? Here's what I mean. We're not gonna have to deal with sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which, and, or idolatry. Now hear me, I didn't say we're not gonna have to deal with their blank, 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 right? Listen to me, there's coming a day where we are not gonna have to deal with our own sexual immorality. Well, we're not going to have to deal with our own impurity, our own passion, our own evil desire, our own covetousness, our own idolatry. Why? Because there's coming to day there's going to be glory, and the Lord is going to remove all that. And I want us to live in that light today. If you're following Jesus, I want us to live in that light. Jesus is our only hope. Let's pray.